There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild livings. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he is happy to have him back safe and sound. But this angered the older brother, and he refused to go inside. So the father went out and pleaded to him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property on prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this, your brother, he was dead and now is alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Well, good morning. My name is John and I'm part of the leadership team here at King's Church High Wycombe. And just a massive thank you to those of you who are tuning in, maybe for the first time for this Finding God series. Thank you so much for giving us your time. I know that time is precious and I I hope and I trust that by the end of this meeting that you'll consider this time well spent and that you'll want to continue on this journey with us. And of course, it would have been great to see you in person but that's obviously not easy at the moment. But I'm so glad that you could join us online. Now, we just heard a retelling of one of the most well-known stories that Jesus ever told. Uh, It's the story of a father and his two sons who take very different paths in life. And it's this story, the story of the lost son or the prodigal son, that the whole of this Finding God series is based on. And in the five weeks of the series, we're going to pick up on five different aspects of this story. And I'll say a bit more about the series as a whole, and I'll come back to the story a bit later on. But Jesus talks a lot in stories, because stories are powerful, stories are memorable. And as human beings, we identify with stories in a very meaningful way, in a very deep way. Stories have the power to stir us and and to move us, particularly when we can identify with someone or something in that story. And today you are tuning in along with hundreds of people from different backgrounds, of different ages, of different ethnicities, 
who, while all of our stories are different, of course, many of them have one thing in common, which is the transforming discovery of the real and personal love of God through Jesus Christ. And for some, that was an instant thing, a real dramatic thunderbolt kind of moment. And for others, it was a journey that involved many steps over several months or even over, over several years. For some, it was coming back to God, having known him before, but then straying away from him for a while. But the fact is that hundreds and hundreds of people over the years have discovered this love of God here at King's. And they were testified to change lives to to transformed lives. And we're going to hear one of those stories today. So before I carry on, let's listen to the first part of Liz's story. Hi, I'm Liz. I've been in the church for about a year and a half now. Growing up, I had an underlying anxiety and restlessness about me. In my teenage years and at uni, I always tried to busy myself, cramming in too many things at once partying and all the other things that come with that kind of lifestyle. I couldn't stand times of stillness or quietness. I always had to be doing something. After uni, I spent time travelling abroad, never really staying in one place for too long. I still felt restless, like I couldn't find peace. I knew I had emotional pain that needed healing and I believed I could solve it and heal myself. I spent several years seeking something in different religions and spiritual paths. I tried Buddhist philosophies of meditating. I thought if I could just empty my mind for long enough, maybe I could find the lasting peace that I was hoping for. I went to see tarot readers and psychics looking for answers about my past and future. I remember on one occasion I attended a Hindu chakra healing where crystals were being used. During the session, one of the crystals moved across the room on its own. This frightened me and reminded me the spiritual world around is very real. But, and I began to question whether what I was getting into was, was safe. Over the years, I spent lots of money on these practices. But nothing I tried worked. I found that any positive changes were only temporary. They didn't bring about the lasting peace and healing that I was longing for. I always went back to feeling restless and unfulfilled and longing for something more. In 2017, I hit rock bottom. I became a single mum and developed some ongoing health issues. I got to a point in my life where I felt empty and broken and I realised I couldn't do things on my own anymore. Now, you'll be pleased to know that her story gets a lot better and we'll pick up the second part of her story a bit later on. But I just wanted to pause Liz's story there to ask you about your story. Now, of course, your story won't be the same as Liz's, but I wonder if you can identify with any aspects of her story. So maybe you've experienced that sense of emptiness or despair or brokenness at different points in your life or that underlying restlessness that Liz talked about. Or maybe you know what it's like to have unfulfilled longings and that, that sense of grasping for that lasting change, that lasting satisfaction that never seems to come. Maybe you can identify with that aspect of her story. Or maybe you know what it's like to end up in a place that you never intended to be, thinking that there's, surely there's got to be more to life than this. And maybe that's where you are right now. You see, I think we all live with deep, Longings, that there are universal longings that everyone, every human being has. So what do you long for? 
What do you long for? What does your heart long for? What does your soul long for? Do you ever get nostalgic? So just think about what nostalgia is. It's looking back to the past, uh, often to childhood, to to, to maybe what felt like a simpler time, Uh, maybe lots of happy memories associated. And of course, I know that's not the case for everyone. But for example, you see a photo of your school or you see an old children's TV program. Someone shows you a clip on YouTube of a, a children's TV program that you used to watch or you hear a piece of music that just transports you back to a different time. And that can be a really powerful thing. It's a very powerful longing. The word nostalgia itself carries the meaning of aching, aching for a homecoming, yearning to recapture something from the past. And that might be a feeling of security, of comfort, of acceptance, of just of better times. For others, it may be the longing for a family of your own, people who you can love and and who will love you. To, to, to really be significant in someone's eyes, to enjoy the security and the acceptance that's part of your idealised vision of what family life could be. Or maybe you long for progression and achievement in your career, to get to the top of a career that you really love, because you know how good it makes you feel when you achieve and, and when you have the admiration and the affirmation of others. Maybe you long for that perfect holiday, there's, there's a yearning within you for paradise, for, for beauty, for rest. We all long for something, every one of us. And you can probably cover those longings in three main groups, three main headings. A longing for love, a longing for purpose, and a longing for meaning. So let me just expand on those three things a little bit. We all have a longing for love. We're born with it. It's hardwired into us. A longing for love, a longing for security, a longing for acceptance. This is why marriage and relationships are such a big deal and why family is such a big deal, why friendships are such a big deal. And when relationships break down, it's such a big deal. You know, the pain that's associated with a broken relationship, with a marriage breakdown, with a family breakdown, with uh, betrayal in a friendship, or particularly as a teenager, that feeling that you're being left out when you just desperately want to fit in, FOMO, the fear, fear of missing out. It's a real longing to be accepted. We all have it. You just want to be in. You want to fit in. You don't want to miss out. And you just have to look at the stories that we like, the films that we watch, the music that we listen to. There's so often this thread of love running through, whether that's looking for love or finding love or losing love. So I think that that longing for love is a universal longing. We all want to be loved. We all want to be uh, accepted. We long to be secure. We also long for purpose. So think back to when you were a child. Let's say you were five or six years old. What did you want to be when you grew up? Just think about it now. What, what did you want to be at a young age? Maybe I guess some people wanted to be a doctor or a fireman, maybe even something like an astronaut or uh, a teacher, uh, an accountant, maybe not so much. Um, now, the church have heard me say this a number of times, but I wanted, well, I have a memory of wanting to be a pole vaulter. I'm not really sure why. I, I've never, ever pole vaulted in my life. Um, but, you know, I also went through a phase of, when I was probably about three or four years old, I, I would use the, the stools out of the kitchen and line them up in the lounge, and I would pretend that I owned and ran a Zimmer frame shop, which is quite niche, really, and, um, well, and fairly unusual, I guess. But, you know, I'm sure we all wanted to be something. But just ask yourself, 
why on earth were you dreaming uh, about having any kind of job or any kind of profession at all? You, you didn't need a job at that age. You didn't have bills to pay. I didn't need to be thinking about my Zimmer frame empire. I mean, why would you even think about what you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, because of that longing for purpose, a desire for purpose, for significance, and to accomplish something in this world. It's an inbuilt longing. So we long for love, we long for purpose, and then we long for meaning, for meaning in life, for answers to the big questions like, you know, why God, if you're there and if you're good, why did you allow this to happen? Or maybe it's, why am I here? What's the point of life? What's this all about? Or maybe, why am I in pain? Why, why can't I find the thing that satisfies and fulfills me completely? We have a longing for meaning, that there must be some meaning in life. Now, in the story of the lost son that we heard earlier, it is very clear to see that the younger son had this longing. This longing, of, you know, there's got to be more. Now, we've got to understand that what he did was so offensive and all the more so in a Middle Eastern context. To ask for his inheritance early, it was just unthinkable. I mean, the expectation was obviously that you wait until your father dies to receive your inheritance. But, but also the expectation was that you would be there to look after your father in his old age. And so what he did was effectively saying, look, dad, I, I don't really care if you live or die. I just know that there's something more and I want it now, right now. It's just hugely offensive. It's unbelievably disrespectful. But before we just dismiss him as being ungrateful and selfish, I wonder if this son just said out loud what most of us feel, that life isn't all that we hope for. Life isn't bringing us what we hope for or maybe what we feel that we deserve, that feeling that there is something missing. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. In fact, I think that feeling that you want something more is what you should feel. It's what you're supposed to feel. Not that everything that we desire is good for us. Far from it. But things like that longing for love that will last, longing for purpose for your life, longing for meaning in life. I want to suggest to you that actually those longings come from God. They're put there by God to point us to our need of him. But the son in the story was like so many of us. He was convinced that he had, to, he had to leave his father to find the more in life, to fulfill all of his longings. And so Jesus said he set off for a distant country. And the story doesn't tell us much about what happened there, only that he squandered his wealth on wild living. And we're left to imagine what that means, and I'm sure we can. What we do know, though, is that he spent everything and he found himself in a desperate situation. No money, no food, no work. And he ends up feeding pigs and wishing that he could eat their food. It is fair to say he has reached a rock bottom moment. So he had gone off looking to fulfill the longings he had, but he actually ended up completely empty, completely spent. In fact, his sense of longing, far from being fulfilled, it had become even more acute. What am I doing here? How did I end up here? I wonder if that sounds at all familiar. How did I end up here? Because you see, I think that the story of the lost son is my story. It's your story. It's each of our stories. And we're all at different points on that journey. Your story might be more or less dramatic than his story. It might be more or less painful than his story. But that story of unfulfilled longing, of something missing, I think we can all identify with that, all of us. 
And so to go back to what I was saying earlier, nostalgia, in the end, it just leaves the ache. As you realise that you can't go back, and even if you could, actually you would realise it probably wasn't as perfect as you remember it anyway. Or or you realise that family life, while a really good thing, a great thing, it doesn't bring that perfect satisfaction that you're looking for, because your family will never live up to your idealised vision of what it should be. Or when you get to the top of your career, the question's always going to be, what next? The longing doesn't disappear. The, the richest man in the world is never as rich as he would like to be. You never do find perfect paradise and rest on holiday. And even the very best holidays come to an end. The new phone or the latest gadget, it was so exciting. It just gets boring after a week. This is the human condition. This is what's wrong with us. It's the human condition. If I could just have that, that thing, then I would be happy. If I could just be with her or be with him, then I would be happy. If I could just go there or have a house like that, then then I would be happy. Almost everywhere we look, the grass is greener than where we stand, even for people who appear to have it all. We live with this sense of restlessness and longing, yearning for something that we can't quite define and we can't quite grasp. That thing that we think is going to bring a lasting happiness, it turns out not to deliver the ultimate satisfaction that we had hoped for. And we look everywhere for it. We look in in everything that the world can offer. So we look in, in careers, in things, in having stuff, in holidays, in sex, in alcohol, in sport, in in shopping, in pornography, in body image, in experiences, leisure, entertainment, in family, in friends. But nothing ultimately satisfies that longing for more. Nothing ultimately satisfies that. It was C.S. Lewis, the Christian writer C.S. Lewis, who wrote the, the Narnia books. He said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And I think that's true. I think that we were made for another kind of world. We were designed for another kind of existence. Uh, the, the kind of world that God created in the beginning before we messed it up. And C.S. Lewis goes on to say, probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, this desire that we have in ourselves. Earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. In other words, to point to the fact that there is something more. Why do we have a longing for meaning and purpose? Well, because there is meaning and purpose. Why do we have a longing for love that lasts? Well, because there is a perfect love that is eternal. The problem is not that we have these longings. The problem is that we seek to fulfill them without God. And so the question is, where will you go? Where do you go to satisfy these God-given longings? And this Finding God series is all about exploring the idea, exploring the proposition that the very real longings that we all have, those universal longings that we have for love, for purpose and for meaning, those longings are satisfied not by running away from God, but by running towards God. And so I really hope, I really hope you stay with us on this journey to properly explore this. Blaise Pascal was a 17th century mathematician. He was a very, very clever guy. And he grew up knowing a lot about God, but not really knowing him, not, not following God. But he had this profound middle-of-the-night experience with God that completely changed him. It changed his life. And he began to challenge his fellow intellectuals to a kind of wager on God. 
He would dare them. He would challenge them to pray for a period of time as if God is real and see if it didn't change their lives. He would say, make a bet that there is a God who loves you. Because if you're right, you have everything to gain. If you're wrong, you've got nothing to lose. Make a bet that God is real. And if you're up for it, and and the fact that you're tuning in suggests that maybe you are, maybe you've already been thinking that there, there may be something worth exploring here. If you're up for it, I want to give you a similar challenge to make a bet that God is real, that there is a God who loves you, to pray as if God is real. And this is a bet where you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Now, before I explain how we'll do that, let's hear the second part of Liz's story. In 2017, I hit rock bottom. I became a single mum and developed some ongoing health issues. I got to a point in my life where I felt empty and broken and I realised I couldn't do things on my own anymore. Around this time, my sister invited me to church and I also began reading the Bible. I soon became convinced that Christianity was true. I spent several months repenting of my sin, praying and reading the Bible. I remember asking God to give me a new heart and put a new spirit in me, to remove my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, as his word says in Ezekiel 36. Although I believed in God, I hadn't told anyone about my faith. I remember seeing a picture in my mind of a sheep standing in a dark shadow. In front of the sheep was a bright light. I felt God telling me kindly that I was this sheep standing in the darkness. He said once I stepped into the light and spoke out about my faith, things would start changing for the better. So it was on Easter Sunday last year that I took that step of faith. I went for prayer and gave my life completely to Jesus. And nothing's been the same since. The day after, I felt as if my heart had jump-started back to life. I now feel overwhelming joy, which was such a contrast to how things were before. I also feel that God opened my eyes to see other people's pain and hurt, which has put a longing in me to share with others who Jesus is and how he can mend a broken heart. My ongoing health issues have increased my dependence on God. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was hoping for healing, which didn't happen straight away. Now I see how God's been using this as a way for me to stay close to him. I seek him daily, and the more I seek him, the more he shows up in my life, which makes me want to seek him all the more. It's like this cycle of awesomeness that's going on, and God deserves the glory for it. Now, do you see what made the difference for Liz? It was prayer. It was prayer. She was speaking to God and she was hearing God speak to her. That's what prayer is. And it was responding in prayer, going to receive prayer that changed everything and led to this overwhelming joy that she described, this changed life that she has experienced. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do, to pray as if God is real every day for the next 30 days. And we have an online prayer guide that we would love you to connect with that will help you with this. And Rich will explain how you can access that in just a minute. But on each day of the prayer guide, there are a couple of questions, two or three questions to think about, to reflect on, followed by a very simple prayer to pray. So, for example, God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. 
really very, very simple. And it just needs a slot of about uh, 10 minutes each day. If you, could you set aside 10 minutes each day to do this, to pray as if God is real for the next 30 days. That's the challenge. And by the way, these are things that all of us in the church can think about and pray because, you know, I want to experience more of God every day. I'll just adapt the prayer to say, God, thank you that you are real. Make yourself more real to me. So let's go on this 30-day journey all together. Come back next week. Be with us next week to continue exploring this story of the lost son together. You see, I really believe, I genuinely believe, genuinely believe that if you seek God with an open heart and an open mind, that you will find him. He will make himself known to you. And for some people, that happens quickly. For others, it's more of a gradual journey. But make a bet that there is a God who loves you. Pray as if God is real for the next 30 days. You have nothing to lose, but potentially you have everything to gain.